you'll take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. We're continuing through our summer study and um, know that you've had some good teaching here from Michael Palmer as I've been gone. And it's, uh, it's also good for him as he continues his studies through seminary. And, um, you know, it's always good to have to do it twice in a row. It's easy when you have that one magical sermon. It's hard when life gets hard. And so thank you, Mike, for doing an, uh, more than an adequate job and appreciate um, all of his hard work. And please continue to encourage him uh, through this process and continue to uh, tell him that he is gifted. He is uh, gifted and is going to be, um, I'm looking forward to the day where we can retire and he can take over and it's all good. So, um, so thank you, Mike, uh, for that. Proverbs chapter 3, a pretty well-known verse. Uh, passage of scripture, um, one that uh, many people have, and they're on cards or on different things. But what exactly does it mean? Um, first, let's kind of set the context. Remember, even starting back in the beginning of Genesis, God was in paradise and he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And when sin entered into, it messed up everything. And so they were expelled, and they were expelled and not allowed to come back in because they weren't allowed to eat of the tree of life because I would have put them, listen, in a a state permanently in sin. And so God expelled them mercifully. And so what is happening now is, is God, through Christ, is telling us, in essence, to come back. To come back to the things of paradise. To where we are in relationship with God in such a way that there is no fear in the sense of he's an angry God or he's an overwhelming God. There's things where if we listen to the wisdom of God, he does, uh, he puts things in order to where they work together. He does things that are impossible according to the standards of the world, but are not impossible with God. He brings us back and he says, come back because listen, we're always, always trying to find just a little glimpse of what it was like to be in the garden with God. And we'll do it usually at the cost by creating our own godless version. And so it says, uh, one of the quotes says, pagans and humanists alike lust either for the good old days that once were or for the golden age that is just around the corner again. And this is all done according to the rhetoric of the various political and religious messiahs. See, we're all trying to get back to that place where we have the relationship with Jesus Christ. Where we're known by him and we are in communion with him. And so I want you to keep that kind of perspective in mind as we hear the words today from Proverbs chapter 3. We're looking just at verses 1 through 8 this morning. Listen to the word of the Lord. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Then trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil, for it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, though we ask that the Holy Spirit would truly give us eyes 
and hearts to grasp and understand what it is that you're teaching us in regards to your commandments, but Lord, also to how you bless us. So Father, change us. Oh, Father, change us to look more like Jesus. For this we pray in Christ. Amen. Now I want you to to grasp and understand how this proverb is set up. So if you see it correctly, you have a trusting uh, of the wisdom of God in all of the odd verses. So verse 1, verse 3, verse 5, and verse 7 talk about trusting, how we are to trust God and his wisdom. And then it tells of the blessings that come if we do trust God in the um, even verses 2, 4, 6, and 8. And so we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at the, all the odd verses, so it's going to be a little different. We're going to look at the odd verses, and then we'll come back and look at the even verses um, as we go through this passage. So the first thing we get through this passage is God tells us, don't forget, keep the commandments. Now, again, he tells us don't forget um, because if we're honest, we are forgetful people. Even on good days, we forget birthdays and anniversaries and things that we're supposed to do. We sleep through alarms. We forget to put things onto our calendar. There are things and times that happen. Um, I was doing a study for Northern Ireland, and one of the things was is, um, f- losing religion, finding Jesus. And it takes you to the passage where Jesus is down in Jerusalem, and the, the parents walk back, and they figure out three days later that Jesus isn't with them. And so they have to go back to Jerusalem. And part of the thing was is we sometimes we lose Jesus in the normal everyday-to-day activities, right? Sometimes just life goes on. There are routines. We become busy. There's things that are stressful. There's just the daily grind. But there's also religious routines. Sometimes we can lose Jesus in the midst of that. We can be so focused on doing things for Jesus or spending time kind of checking the boxes that we lose the intimacy with Jesus. Sometimes we have assumptions about Jesus of this is what Jesus is or this is what Jesus wants to do. And we assume, we understand, but he's not a guy that can be um, put into a box and controlled. And so what the, the author saying is, he says, don't forget the commandments that God has given to you. Now, I want you to understand it's not just not forgetting, but it's not just behavior modification. Because all of us can change our behavior for a short time, right? So I can eat salads for, you know, maybe a month. Okay? But at some point, I'm going to snap. I'm going to snap on you as a congregation. I'm going to snap on my family. I'm definitely going to snap on my wife. and just like, I can't do this anymore. I don't need to just modify my behavior. And that's not what God is saying. Don't just, don't just do the commandments and mo- modify your behavior. He's saying, I want you, what he says, he says, I want it to be a heart change. A heart change. Now, now what does that mean? When we take something and we take it to our heart, it begins to change our aspect of it, how we look at it, what we do for it. Stalin had this decision. It's not always good to, to quote Stalin. But he said this. He said to lose one life is a tragedy. To lose a million, that's just a statistic. Now that's a great quote. Because it's true. And here's what I mean by that. If you talk about people, or if you talk about Northside as just a congregation, that's just statistics. But if you ask me, well, how is Neil? 
well, wait a minute. I, I, have to, I actually have to love Neil. I have to interact with Neil. I have to care for Neil. That's, that's what he's telling us. How do we love one another? How do we keep the commandments that God says? How do we make them? It's so deep within ourselves that we begin to, to minister to one another the way that the commandments talk about. Remember what Jesus says? What's the greatest commandment? Well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. So he says, hey, begin to to look at people as an individual. Not as a statistic. Not as a number. So we need to, to make sure that we're keeping the commandments. We need to make sure that we are not forgetting the things that he's taught us but then the second thing he says in verse three he says let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart now again for those people that it was written to they would have understand as soon as he started talking about steadfast love and faithfulness he's talking about the first five books of the bible And so they would have automatically have understood what is it that he's trying to say? Well, he was talking about the covenant love that God had with his people. It's Hesed. Remember, we've talked about this in a couple other books. It's a special kind of love that God has with his people. It's a covenant love. It's loving kindness. It's faithfulness. And what is he saying? He says, remember God's law and remember God's promises. That's how God has loved you and will continue to love you. He loves you by, by putting you in a place where he, he tells you, this is how you should live. And then he reminds you of the promises. If you live this way, this is what's going to happen in your life. And so he says, what I want you to do then is immerse yourself in the word. Go back to Deuteronomy. And actually, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy 6. It's too big to just put it up on the screen. Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you to the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care, what? Lest you forget the Lord. See, again, when things, when life, if we're honest, when life is going well, it's easy to forget the Lord. Now again, don't take that to the opposite extreme. Don't pray, God, get me. That's a dangerous prayer. But if we say, God, please don't let me forget the words that God has given to me. Let the the commandments go deep within inside of us. If we trust the promises of God, then we need to stay immersed in the word. And again, here's the cool thing about it. If you have not been spending time in the Word, it's still there. Start over. Pick up on today. Don't go back and go, well, I've already lost 16 books of the Bible. Don't do that. 
Don't think God is up there trying to get you. Don't think that he's up there and going, well, they blew it for the last three months. It's over. I'll never once put their picture up on the refrigerator again. God is always telling you, come home. Come back to me. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. And so, again, if you need to do whatever, you know, sometimes I, I get it, it's hard. That's, that's why I tell you weird things. When we were over in Ireland, I told you to go get a, buck, a, a box of Lucky Charms. Eat Lucky Charms. Why? Because it's too easy to become forgetful. But if you eat the Lucky Charms, maybe, just maybe, you prayed for me. Put postcards. Use lipstick and write things on the mirror. Have a Bible in the bathroom. Yes, your pastor said it. Have a Bible in the bathroom. Now, don't bring it out. Leave it in there. We've got plenty of Bibles in the United States. But wherever the time is, whatever it's going to do, put it, put it everywhere. Put posters, put pictures, put paintings. Put it all over the place so that you remain immersed in the Word of God. Because then you'll remember God's promises and His mercy to you. So remember the commandments. He tells you to remember the steadfast love and faithfulness. But then he tells you, um, again, these are the, the verses that we know probably by heart. He says, trust God. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So again, here's the reality. We're supposed to trust God, not our own wisdom. Now, is that hard to do? Yes. Because when we find ourselves in the midst of trouble, we try to fix it ourselves. Isn't that what Adam and Eve did? When they listened to the, to the lies of Satan... And remember when they, they did sin, what did they do? Did they run to Jesus? Did they run to, to God? Or did they try to cover themselves up? See, is it natural? We want to fix things ourselves. We want to uh, trust our own wisdom. We tend to walk alone. We desire to be in control, don't we? One of the biggest things over in Northern Ireland, they didn't have a problem with, with Jesus being the Savior. They're like us. They have a problem with Jesus being Lord. I'm okay that he saves me from hell, but I just don't want him to tell me how to live my life. And so it's this, this understanding that, again, we, we can't trust our own wisdom. He tells us to trust God, but he tells us to trust God in a very specific way. He says, be it wholeheartedly. Don't do it just halfway. Because, again, we, we know some people who, if you go, oh, hey, man, they do really well in this area of their life, but this area, eh, not so good. We have to have a wholehearted trust. We have to put everything into inside of us. One pastor gave the illustration of a person who was um, trying to cross the ice. And so he, he wasn't from there. He didn't understand it. And so he was out there on the ice and he was going on his hands and knees because he didn't want the ice to crack underneath him. And all of a sudden he heard the, the pitter-patter off on the ice. And he looked up and he saw a big horse pulling a carriage across the ice. Because the ice was so thick. But for him, he didn't understand. So he was crawling on the ice right until the time that he saw this huge horse pulling the carriage behind him. And he said, oh, I guess the ice is okay now. So he began to get up and walk across the ice. That's the question for us is, do we trust God? Hmm. See, that's hard sometimes because, again, a lot of us look at circumstances and we don't trust God. 
Think about God feeding the 5,000. Remember how the disciples responded? God, send them away. They need to go eat. There's too many people here. There's, there's no restaurants here. There's no McDonald's. There's no Taco Bell for them to eat or anything like that. They need to go find a place to go eat because all we have here is this one little kid and he's got some fish and some bread. And Jesus said, go feed them. Jesus, did you not just hear what I said to you? Have you ever said that to Jesus? God, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. Did you hear what I just said to you? We can't do it. And Jesus goes, I know you can't, but I can. So I've told you, go feed the people. And he feeds everyone so much so that there are basket loads at the end. See, I have trouble sometimes putting God in a box. Let me give you a real life example from this Ireland trip. So our, our team's gotten together. We've been talking about it. Hey, you need to write these letters. Here's, we always make our money by writing letters. You need to write a letter to everybody that's in your, um, in your email list and your snail mail list, whatever. You need to send out to every person in your group because that's how God takes us on mission trips is by $25, $50, $100. If someone's really spiritual, they give $200. Okay. That's how we make our trip and that's how God does things. God took two individuals who gave $5,000 checks in one event that earned $8,000 to pay for the whole trip. And I think it was for me. I think God was saying, Jeff, take me out of your box. You cannot control me while your circumstances and you can't figure me out. I'm a God of the impossible. And if I wanted one person to write a check for the whole thing, I can do that. But Jeff, do you trust me? Do you really trust me or are you leaning on your own understanding? See, God has to rule over our thinking. It's not just when he does something that we agree with. He has to overrule us. So that we learn to understand what trust really is. And then the last thing he tells us in regards to this of trusting his wisdom in verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. See again it's easy to be wise in our own eyes right? I mean we get gain knowledge. We are growing We've got this. We've got it figured out. And Jesus says, no, you don't. Here's what you need to do. The beginning of the knowledge of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Not not be scared of Jesus. Not be scared of God. But understand the fear of the Lord, that he is the God who spoke planets into existence and still knows the numbers of hair on your head. He's the God by just the words of his mouth can take a hurricane and destroy everything we've created in this state in the course of one day. That's the God we serve. And so he tells us, he says, I want you to fear the Lord, turn away from evil. And how do you do that? Well, you have the Holy Spirit. 
If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sinful desires. We know when things are wrong. And so He convicts us, and so we need to name our sins. And only that, but the Holy Spirit encourages our righteous acts. So He's telling us to go forth and to be the gospel. And the only way that happens is when we depart from evil and we turn to Him. But we turn to Him by loving Him. Do you, do I, do we really love God with our whole hearts and mind and soul and strength? Is He everything to us? If He's everything to us, then what happens is that that love for God begins to hear and begins to see the blessings of God. And that's where we turn to the even verses. So he says, if you remember the truth, then here's what you're going to have. You are going to have, verse 2, length of days and years of life and peace that will be added to you. So we have life and peace. So the first thing he tells us is we have abundant life. If we obey the commandments, we will have abundant life, which means we can live life to the full. Not, not always worrying. Not always trying to justify things. Not always scared about, am I going to be found out? Listen, teenagers, if, if you don't cheat on a test, are you worried about the teacher coming and looking over your shoulder? My favorite one all the time to, to bring up to people. If you're not sneaking in sodas and candy, are you worried about the person coming around with this flashlight? You're not worried. Because you're doing things that you're already right. So I can live life abundantly. I can live life to the full. But it doesn't stop with just the life here. He also tells us that we are to give um, God all the glory in this life and the next, eternal life. Are we always going to have good times here? No. And again, the health and wealth gospel preachers, and we'll deal with that next week. Okay, The people that promise you no pain, no hurt in the gospel life, don't begin to understand and grasp what God has called us to. God has called us to have peace. Shalom. And it's, that happens not through what the world brings, but through Christ alone. This is the greatest gift God has ever given to us. His Son. And he says, through my son, listen, if you are God's people, you will, you will, you have assurance that you will attain everlasting and full life in Christ's presence. And that's a change, especially for those who are young in the faith. Because when you first start thinking, uh, man, when I get to heaven, who am I going to see? I'm going to see grandma. I'm going to see aunts and uncles. I'm going to see good friends and stuff like that. I think the longer you are and the more that you grow in Christ, the thing that you start looking for is, that, that, that's nice, but I get to be with Jesus. The person who was everything to me here on earth, now I get to be in his presence forevermore. And I get to glory in his presence. I get to enjoy him. Oh, man, what a day that's going to be. And so he says, remember so that you might have Abundant life and have peace. That's eternal. The second thing he says is if we understand God's love, then what we'll have, verse 4, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Why? 
Because we begin to love the way that God loves. There's someone over there in, in Ireland who made this statement to me. We were at the, the beach, so it was my last time um, being with them. Because handing it off to, to Chris and Rebecca, and I won't go back, um, at least not with the teenagers, anytime soon. And so I'm saying goodbye to the people over there. And so one of the guys, um, who was pretty recent, came over and he says, Jeff, I want to thank you. I said, that's, that's great. I appreciate that. He said, no, I want to thank you because you didn't come and try to fix us. You came and loved us. See, for 19 years, you guys, especially those who have been here a long time, my preaching's not magical. Okay? I joke about being good looking, and in some, some part of my mind, I am. Okay? But that's not why you're coming. I, I think most people come because of the love they find within this room. And that's a good thing. Because it's the thing that God tells us matters the most. See, we have to be loving other people, not the way the world does. We have to be servant. We have to love when it's hard. And he says, when we start to love that way, people, people notice. And so one of the biggest things, I met with someone that was there 19 years ago. Um, they came up on the train and we had a lunch together. And uh, they said, you, you know the, the time that your ministry took off here, Jeff, when people loved you? They said, when you didn't go with a youth pastor who left here that you started with and you came back to Bally Sally. That's when we knew you cared about us. See, it's making that, that commitment, that love, that I'm here no matter what. That's what speaks highly of understanding the love and the faithfulness and the promises that God has given to us. And when we do that, that affects man, but it also affects God. That's what he's called us to do, to love one another. That's the thing that he says is the most magical thing. That's probably the wrong word. The most comprehensible thing that the world can see is how we love one another. When we shouldn't. <laughs> we're from different demographics. We're from different um, age brackets. We're from different um, song. We're from different things. Why, why should I care about you? Why should I love you? Except because Jesus told me to. So when we get that, then people begin to notice so he says, remember, understand God's love, but then he tells us to trust. Trust, and then he will make our paths straight. Now, that's kind of a, a different statement. One of the things I want us to understand is, is that sometimes it's risky to obey Jesus. Sometimes he calls us to hard things. Now, to put this in perspective, I, I want you to kind of understand or to get this picture of Space Mountain. Okay? So Space Mountain over at Disney is that roller coaster that is set in darkness. Now, you have two reactions, okay? 
And there are those, and I'm going to get a little bit loud here, so just be, it's okay. Okay? So the first person is the one who is scared. So when you hit that thing and you're tick, 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 going up to the top and stuff like that, they're holding on really tight. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do They go over the top. They start screaming. Ah! Heads be bopping around. I'm going to throw up. Come off the thing. I'm never going to do that again. Never going to do that again. That's the second person. I hope this is you. Who knows that the roller coaster is not going to come off the rails. You don't know what's coming. But these are the people, as soon as it starts going up, the hands are up. Yeah, baby! Here we go! Woohoo! And their heads are be bopping around. Same way that the people who are scared. That's right. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because that's what it is with Jesus. Are you scared? Or are you raising your hands and said, I don't know where Jesus is taking me, but I trust him. I know it's, it, I'm going to get beat up a little bit here. My head's going to bob back and forth. I know I'm going to feel like I'm going to come out of my seat. But you know what? I, I know that the rails have a purpose. There's a beginning and there's an end. And it ends where it's supposed to. So I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to revel in it. I'm going to scream because I know God, listen, God ends up and he takes us exactly where he wants us to be. But pastor, it gets hard sometimes. I know. Do you not think he's in control of those times? Oh, raise your hands. Praise him, glorify him, enjoy him. Because he will make your path straight. And then the last thing he tells us is he says that we should have, because we fear the Lord, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Healing and refreshment. See, again, if, if we have life, if we're living life the way that we're supposed to in Christ, then it's a well-ordered life and we will find refreshment and we will find um, peace. And again, it can happen in the weird places. Again, I'm 50 now. I don't like sleeping on air mattresses. I don't like taking sink showers. Okay? Um, but all that being said, I still had great times of sitting there and laying on the stupid air mattress, even while it's going down, having my my praise music and just loving Jesus. Just loving him. Enjoying him. That's what I, that's what I hope for you. It's that you're so in love with him. That you're so overwhelmed by his care for you. That you're so overwhelmed by the things that he's done for you. To know, to truly know that he is in control and he's good. And you look, listen, we get to look for that day where we get to be back in paradise with him. If we're living our lives the way that Jesus wants us to, if we're enjoying him, if we're living for his glory and honor, then again, we're coming home. We're coming home. That's part of the table. Come. Well, I don't deserve to come, Jesus. I know. 
I want you to come and eat with me. Well, there's a lot of things about me you won't like, Jesus. I know. But I've paid it all. So come. Come and feast and enjoy time with your Savior. I end with this quote. God saves you through the Son, and he molds us into the image of the Son so that we can live the life that God has meant for us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, the richness of the truths of your scripture. Father, may we quit living in our own power, in our own wisdom, our own strength. And Lord, may we turn our faith to trust in you and you alone. Knowing that no matter the circumstances, no matter the trials, no matter the tribulations we face in this world, are ever outside of your control because you make our paths straight. And so, Father, encourage us and send us as missionaries now out into this world. We're all yours. We're all your missionaries. It's just where and how. So, Father, take us, use us. But, Father, thank you for transforming us into the likeness of your Son. And Lord, when people see us, they will see your love and they will be coming here because there's something different and that difference is Jesus Christ. So Father, thank you. Minister to us now through the bread and the juice. juice. Truly, let us taste and see that you are good. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.